Well, thanks for being here today, and thanks for worshiping with us. Didn't the uh, praise team just do an awesome job? They, they are so talented. I am so grateful for them uh, and all that they do. Very grateful for Pastor Grant up here, even though uh, he said all y'all two times, and I didn't know you were from the South. I don't know where that came from, the all y'all uh, stuff, but, you know, whatever. So he's from Southern Gillette. Okay. So I don't know where that border is, but apparently it's just north of here, this building. So um, I have a message that God, I think, was laying on my heart to share with you today. And it's because it is December 31st, 2023, and we are looking forward to the new year. Who knows? What's going to happen in this next year? Um, the, only the Lord knows. There's a lot of chaos that could potentially happen in our country over 2024, as you know. But the message that God put on my heart today, and you see the title on the screen, is the sin of looking back. Now, the sin of looking back, I think, is something that all of us can fall into. We can all probably identify with very well. We look back and we think, I wish that I hadn't done that, or I wish that I had done that. It could be a very unproductive, unhealthy way to live life. It can really be, frankly, a very sinful way to live life with the constant thought and the looking back in the rearview mirror. If only I had married that man or that woman instead of the one that I married. If only I had taken that job or not taken that job. If only I had studied that when I went to college instead of what I did study. If only I had turned right instead of turning left. We often live life looking in the rearview mirror. Again, very unhealthy, very unproductive in life. Most of you, many of you, uh, would probably be old enough because looking over the crowd here today, not saying that you're old in any way, but saying that you probably are around the same age that I am, you probably can remember back to the 1984 Olympics, the Summer Olympics that happened in Los Angeles. If you remember those days, that was a fun Olympic to watch, and I remember being uh, a teenager watching those Olympics, and there was one event that really struck me, and it was the 110-meter high hurdles that were being run that year. The favorite to win by far was a guy by the name of Greg Foster. And Greg Foster was so popular that, that actually ABC, who was broadcasting the events, they did a whole segment on him leading up to the race, and he was the hands-on favorite to actually win. The gun sounded, he took off in the race that he was running, the 110 high hurdles, and he was really running well. It's a shorter race, so it's very tight, even though, even though he was projected to win, it's still a very tight race. And one thing happened that really struck me at the very end of the race, and that is, as he was crossing the last hurdle, he turned and looked to his side to see where his competition was. And as he turned and looked, someone passed him enough, just within a, a split second, in order for him to take second instead of first in those Olympic Games. There's a danger when you live life looking back instead of looking forward to what God has in store. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 9. 
He said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Imagine that. Picture that with me. If you remember back before the automation that we have today, somebody plowing a field with a team of animals that were pulling a plow. If you were looking in the back as you're walking with the plow, how crooked those rows are going to be. You fix your eyes straight ahead and you plow straight ahead to accomplish the goal you have in front of you. No one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom. Nobody who drives looking through the rear view mirror is going to be fit to really drive a vehicle. It's the same kind of concept. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at a story in the Bible where God specifically commanded someone not to look back. And in doing so, it was going to cost them their lives. Let's pray as we begin, and then let's look at this story this morning. Father, help us to hear from you here today. Help us to understand how to apply this concept to our lives, to our hearts, to our minds, and help us to be moving forward in your direction. There are too many of us that are stuck, too many of us that are looking in the rearview mirror, too many of us that are consumed with bitterness and unforgiveness, who are consumed with our own failures and our own regrets, who are consumed with past decisions made, Lord, we need to look forward to you, to what you're going to do, and we need to get our lives in alignment with that. So Lord, teach us today, show us your truth, be here in this place and help us to bring honor and glory to you. We want to lift you up here today so that you receive all praise that you are due. Speak to our hearts and our minds and help us to be challenged to follow you with all of our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the story that we are going to look at is found in the book of Genesis, and I haven't preached much out of the book of Genesis, so this is a good time to go back into the Old Testament and look at this together. We're going to look today in the book of Genesis at Genesis chapter 19, and it starts with those words, as morning dawned. Let me set the stage for you and give you the context of what was going on before the morning dawned to help you understand what's going on in the story that we are going to share and talk about today. God is going to say specifically, don't look back. Well, what are all of the events and all of the things that are surrounding leading up to this stage? Well, it starts with a people by the name of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were barren. They could not have children. God was going to give them a child, give them a promise, and this child to be born to them was a gift from God specifically. There were two angels that came to Abraham and Sarah that were going to bring them this news. However, these two angels looked just like regular men. These two men who were disguised, who were angels really disguised as men, gave the news to Abraham and Sarah that you're going to have a child. Sarah laughed, the whole story took place, and they were going to be blessed by God with this child they would have. The next job that the angels had to do, these angels that were really disguised as men, the next job they had to do was to go to a new community, not far from where Abraham and Sarah lived, to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. And there they were supposed to go to Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham. And as they went to Lot, they were supposed to give him a warning. And the warning was that God was going to bring destruction on this city because of the wickedness 
and perverseness of this city. Abraham got the news. He heard that this is the story that was going to be told to them. And so Abraham begged God and said, please, God, if, you, if there's just 50 people in that city who are righteous, would you please spare the city? God said, okay, if there are 50, I will spare the city. Abraham continues to bargain. Well, what about 40? If you can find 40 righteous people, will you still will you spare the city then? God said, okay, I will spare the city if there are at least 40. What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? God said, okay, if there are 10, I will spare the city. What God already knew was that in that place, there were not 10 that were good. Not 10 that were righteous. The entire city, with the exception of just a handful of four, were wicked and perverse. These angels went to the city of Sodom. And they found Lot. And Lot, being one of the righteous people, invited them to his house. As these angels, disguised as men, are in the house of Lot, the rest of the community hears about it. And it says that all of the men, the young and the old, surrounded the house, demanding that Lot send these two men out so that they could have sex with them. It was wicked and perverse. God saw the hearts of this city. And God decided, because of this, I will bring destruction on this place. Because there are only a few that are actually righteous. It is a foreshadowing of what God will do actually to the world. The wrath of God will be poured out on the world. And did you know that the world is pretty wicked. It is pretty disgusting. There is a lot of unrighteousness in the world. Let me give you some statistics about this that will help you wrap your brain around it. Did you know in the United States that there are 331.9 million people according to the 2021 census? Of those 331 million, 176 million self-identify as Christians. But what does that mean? Well, that means that they believe in the concept of God. Maybe they have stepped foot in a church at some point in their lives. But of that, of that 176 million that identify as Christians, did you know that only 15 million would say, I am a fully committed disciple of Jesus with an integrated biblical worldview in my life. What that means is there are only 15 million in our country, according to Barna's research, that would say, I am fully blown a follower of Jesus and I have let it come into my life and I live according to biblical world values. Do you know that that is 4.5% of our population today? 4.5%. That means that 4.5 out of 100 people or 9 people out of 200 would say, I have a biblical worldview and I am a disciple of Jesus. If you extrapolate those numbers and say, okay, that's consistent throughout the world, I think it's kind of high. But if you extrapolate those throughout the world, our world population today is 8 billion. That would mean, according to those statistics, that of the 8 billion people in the world, 360 million would say, I am a fully committed disciple of Jesus Christ. 
which would mean that 7,640,000,000 are not. Now, I believe those statistics, according to the world, are probably pretty high. But that is a small, little percentage of people who say, I follow Jesus. That was what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, okay, if there are 10 righteous, but there weren't 10, there ended up being four. Four righteous that could possibly even consider being saved. That's the background of the story. Let's look at the actual story. It says, as morning dawned, what happened? Well, all of these events took place in the middle of the night. As morning dawned, the angels, disguised as men, urged Lot, saying, get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away. In the punishment of the city. I want you to note those words. God is giving them a warning. And here's the warning the judgment is coming, lest you be caught up in the judgment and in the punishment, you need to get up and get out of here. Notice the next words. But he lingered. That struck me as I was reading it. But he lingered. Lot even though he was being warned by them, get up, take your wife, take your two daughters, get out of here, lest the punishment fall on you. And he lingered. What does the word lingered mean? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because the word lingered is the biblical word in Hebrew, maha, which means to be reluctant, to question, to hesitate, or to delay. Let me ask you a question personally. Have you ever lingered when you knew you should act immediately? For some, it is about the decision to follow Jesus. You have been putting it off and putting it off. Maybe later. Maybe I will think about this later. Maybe I'll take God seriously later. My son has a construction business and in the construction business he had a coworker or an employee and a friend who worked for him for a couple of years now this friend was not a believer in Jesus but this friend my son witnessed to every day played christian music at the job site every day every time my wife and i saw this worker of my sons this friend of my sons we would witness to him we would talk to him about coming to church we would talk to him about getting right with the lord and he would always say to us yeah that's a good idea maybe i'll come this sunday and he never did we kept talking, we kept talking to him, and he kept just lingering, putting it off, being reluctant, being hesitant, delaying. Well, he quit working for my son one day. He just didn't show up and kind of ghosted my son. He didn't hear from him from that point on. About six months later, my son and I were shocked when we saw his obituary in the paper. He was 28 died of a heart attack at 28 he lingered 
every time we talk. Now, I hope that somehow between the time we last saw him to the time he died, he made a decision, but I highly doubt it because he just not was anti-God, just reluctant, questioning, hesitated, delayed. And because of that, it could have cost him eternity. But it's not just spiritually. There are other times in life that God is warning you and saying, I want you to act now. Do not linger. Maybe you're watching something on the computer and God is warning you and you're just lingering. You're like, you're like letting it come into your life. You're a little bit reluctant, a little bit hesitant, and you don't act the way God wants you to act. You don't respond the way and when God wants you to respond. Lingering can be a problem. Let's go back to the story. But he lingered. He was reluctant. But the men who were angels really in disguise seized him, Lot, and his wife and his two daughters. Being, they, they took him by the hand and the Lord being merciful to him, they brought him out and set him outside the city. So get that picture. God in his mercy sometimes just grabs you by the hand and says, I'm getting you out of this. I am taking you from this because if you keep lingering, you're going to be destroyed. He takes them by the hand, brings them out. Sometimes that feels like, God, you're being unfair. You're dragging me. I don't want to do this. And God is saying, no, I am being merciful to you. I am protecting you. They brought him outside of the city. And as they brought them out, one said to them, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord uh, out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. Look at those words. He says, do not look back. Do not stop anywhere. And then she looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. Do you know that the ideas of looking back is not just a fleeting glance. There's something more to it than that. The first thought I had in my mind, this is, you know, again, the way my mind works sometimes. But do you remember the very first Jurassic Park? And they're in the Jeep, and they're driving away, and there's a big T-Rex following them. You, you guys know the scene I'm talking about? And this, this T-Rex is right on their tail, and one of them looks in the mirror just to the side, and they see the teeth of the T-Rex coming behind. That, that's not what's going on here. God is not saying, don't ever even... Don't even peek over your shoulder. That's how most people interpret it. The word looked back is different than that. It is the Hebrew word which means to look intently. To look upon with, notice this, longing and pleasure. To regard, to consider, to pay attention to. 
Lot's wife wasn't just glancing back over her shoulder and God punished her. She was looking differently. She was looking back in the past with a longing and a craving. Why did I leave? Why why am I leaving my home? That's where I want to be. I don't want to be here. I want to be there. And that looking back with intent, with longing, with pleasure, cost her her life. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah writes this, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's the warning for the follower of God. When God sets you free, do not look back with longing, with pleasure, with the what ifs, with the wish I had attitude. Instead, God says, I want you to look forward. Go forward. Be different. Be who I have created you and called you to be. There are a few different things that we tend to look back at. What are some of those things that really tend to consume us? Well, the first thing that came to my mind that I would be guilty of and looking back at, and maybe you can identify with this as well, but it's looking back at my failures or your failures. You ever done that? You have a tremendous amount of guilt or regret or pain because of the failures in your life. Maybe you could think back to sins that were committed, decisions that were made, failures that haunt you. Sometimes people can be stuck in their failures and they can never seem to move forward. And those failures cause them to be filled with shame and regret. You may have done something in your past that fills you with shame and regret. You may have said something in your past that fills you with shame and regret, and that has paralyzed you from being able to move forward in life. Because of that, that's a looking back. Not that you're looking back with longing, but you're looking back with regret. And that looking back has caused you to be stuck and not be able to go where God wants you to go. Do you know that that is not who you are anymore? If you have truly been forgiven by God, if you have truly been washed by the blood of the lamb, you have been made clean. And those sins have been forgiven. They have been wiped away. They don't identify you. They don't define you any longer because you're not that person anymore. That is in the past. It is in the rear view mirror. Now, if you keep doing the same thing, that's a a secondary issue. But the things that you did in the past that have been forgiven by God, that you have been cleansed from, that doesn't define you any longer. So don't look back at your failures 
and your mistakes. And don't let that shame and regret overwhelm you. What, what is shame? Well, shame is the overwhelming sense that you are worthless, deficient, and defective as a person. And that's what those failures do. They constantly remind you. Do you know that that's one of the tactics that Satan uses as well? Is that he wants to remind you how deficient and defective and worthless you are as a human being. That God could never love you. He could never forgive you. He would never care about you. And that's looking at the past. It's looking at my failures. And that's not who we are today. So one of the things that we have to put behind us is our failures. And one of the sins that we can keep bringing up is our failures, because that's not who we are any longer. We have people in this church who have done things that they obviously regret. We all have those things that we have done that we regret. There are some that have done those things and actually gotten caught for some of the things that they did, and they've spent time behind bars. That's who you were. That is not who you are. We don't live according to our failures any longer. Second thing that we tend to look back at is we look back at our hurts, my hurts. I could look back at the people who have hurt me, people who have offended me, people who have caused pain in my life, maybe people who have abused or abandoned, people who have rejected, hurts that have happened in my life. And those hurts tend to cause me to be filled with bitterness and unforgiveness. There are some among us that really can identify with this one because your hurts have bound you up in a series of bitter and unforgiving attitudes that have paralyzed you. And you can't seem to move forward because you can't seem to forgive the person who hurt you so deeply. And if you cannot forgive them in the same way that your failures are paralyzing, your unforgiveness will now paralyze you. And if you are constantly looking back with anger and animosity and bitterness, you will never be able to move ahead. I know that people's hurts are legitimate. They are. Abuse, abandonment, rejection, hurts that have happened, they're legitimate. You're hanging on to them and continuing to look at them and them feeding your life 10, 20, 30, 50 years later, that is not legitimate. In the same way that God has forgiven you and me, we are to forgive others. As I have forgiven, been forgiven, I need to forgive. And so you can no longer look back at your hurts because they no longer define you. You're not that person anymore. You have been set free. A third thing that we tend to look back at is my success. One of the stupidest movies of all time, but it's one that rings true for this, is Napoleon Dynamite. You guys know what movie that is? Can you, can you say amen? That is so stupid. I cannot believe. Okay, Napoleon Dynamite. Do you remember in that movie... And I sat through and watched it because it came out when I was working as a youth pastor in North Dakota. And so I had to watch it with the youth group. And I thought, this is the stupidest thing. This is the biggest waste of my life ever. Uncle Rico in that movie is living in a 
I think it was a trailer, kind of a trailer, a van down by the river is where he was living. And he was, I don't know, in his 30s maybe? And he was constantly reliving his high school football glory days. And he was living in the past on those high school glory days. Sometimes my success in the past can affect my ability to move forward into the future. It can bring me a longing and a pride. Longing for those days. Longing for those days when I was athletic, full of hair, and skinny. Those days. Maybe you can identify with that as well. Sometimes we look in the rearview mirror. And we long for those days. We crave those days. And so what tends to happen to people is we can lay in bed at night and either our hurts, our failures, or our successes run through our mind. And as we lay in bed at night, we have the what if scenario playing out. What if I had turned left instead of right, married this person instead of that, changed and had this job instead of this job? Where would I have been today? What if when I was working in the investment industry, I would have invested in Amazon when it was a startup company like I knew I should? Where would I be financially today? That kind of decision. That's not how we live life as followers of Jesus. That is who we were. It's not who we are. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You take off the old and you put on the new. In the book of Proverbs, it says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Finally, in Philippians, Paul says this, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you this today. What things do you need to, as Paul just said, forget? Maybe it's your marriage. And maybe you've got a scorecard that you've been keeping in your marriage. And you can look back over 5 and 10 and 20 and 30, 40 years of marriage and you have a scorecard in your mind that you have kept and you are constantly looking at that. And so your hurts, your failures, who you could have married instead, it's dragging you down today. Do you know that if you want to have a successful marriage going forward, maybe it's time that you say, today we are starting new. Forgetting what lies behind, we together are going to strain forward to what lies ahead, to the goal of Jesus. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe the person who hurt you so badly that you haven't been willing to forgive, maybe that's the thing you're at today, where you say, today's the day. I am going to forgive them. 
I know it's a process. I know I'm going to have to be reminded of this, but I am making a decision today that I will not let that affect me. I won't let them affect me anymore. I will forget what lies behind, and I will strain forward to what lies ahead toward the goal of Jesus. Maybe it's the abuse that happened. Maybe it's the addiction. And you say today, today, I'm, I'm stopping this. I'm quitting, I'm getting the help that I need because today is the day where I will forget what lies behind and I will strain forward to what lies ahead. The sin of looking back with longing, with pleasure, with unforgiveness or bitterness is the sin that affects us so often. As followers of Jesus, going forward, 2024, it's time to say, I'm ready to stop I'm ready to forget, and I'm ready to move forward into what God has in store. I believe God has incredible things in store this year, but it may be difficult. There may be challenges, but there may be incredible things and breakthroughs that can happen in your life this year. Would you pray with me as we close? Father God, thank you so much for the example that we can have of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, the story of Lot and his wife, help us not to linger. Lord, when you say, get up and move, get up and follow, don't stay here. Lord, help us to be willing to step out in faith and say, I will follow you immediately. Lord, maybe... It's needing to make a breakthrough this year. There are some I know that are dealing with addictions that have really just debilitated them. And maybe for them, it's time to say, I'm, <clears throat> I need a change. I want to forget what lies behind and I want to press on toward what is ahead. Lord, I know that there are some marriages in this room today that they're at that point of needing to say, I'm going to forget what lies behind and we will press on together for what God has in store for us for these next years. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts the thing that we need to hear from you today. Help us, Lord, as we step into this new year to bring honor and glory to your name, to be committed to you, to living out a biblical worldview in our lives, to truly being your disciples. Thank you for being here today, Lord. We love you and we praise you. And it is in your son's name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Have a great rest of your day. Happy New Year. <clears throat> Looking forward to seeing you back here next, next year.